0: Hello and welcome to episode 92 of the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. I am Tim Robertson, the host of the Observer's Notebook, and also the coordinator of the training program within the ALPO. Thank you for downloading and listening. The ALPO collects and analyzes observations of various solar system bodies and Associated Phenomenon, and publishes detailed reports concerning these bodies in its quarterly publication, The Journal of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. This podcast cannot survive without donations from you, our listeners. If you enjoy what you hear in the podcast, please subscribe, and also donate via Patreon. You can give as little as $1 a month. If you feel even more generous, for $5, you receive early access to the podcast before it goes public. For $10, you receive a copy of the Novice Observer's Handbook, the official handbook of the ALPO training program. And for $35 a month, you receive producer credits on the podcast. You can help us out by going to www.patreon, that's slash Observer's Notebook. If you'd like to join the ALPO, membership is only $14 a year. For more information, go to www.alpo-astronomy.org. And the ALPO is also on Facebook. Just search for ALPO Astronomy. And yes, this here podcast has a Facebook page as well. Just search for Observer's Notebook. And again, if you enjoy what you hear, please subscribe. That way you'll never miss another episode of the Observer's Notebook. Now meteor showers we got the leonids coming up and that must mean we're gonna be talking to bob lunsford stay tuned all right like to welcome everybody back to the observer's notebook podcast we have uh Think like eleven time return guest to the <laughs> podcast now. I think it's like ten percent of the podcast
1: with you, Bob. Round Bob Lunsford, eleven, huh? <laughs> Bob Lunsford from the meteor section. Welcome back, Bob. Well, oh, thank you. It's been quite a quite a drought here the last three months. Yeah, but we got a good one coming up apparently. Well, a a good one uh, if you catch it at maximum. Uh, the lyrics can be a bit tricky. Uh, This is, unlike most showers, this is one that's really only good on on the morning of maximum. And that'll just happen to be on April 22nd this year, which turns out to be, whoops, I still got a March calendar up here. (laughs) 22nd is Wednesday morning. Well, since none of us are working, that should be fine. (laughs) Just just like a weekend. That's right. And even better, uh, it occurs right in the middle of the new moon. Oh, wow. Even better. No lunar interference. Great. Now tell us a little bit about the Lyrids. Okay. Um, They are associated with a comet called Thatcher, which last appeared in 1861. And it turns out this comet has an orbital period of 415 years. Oh, my. Yeah, it's a long one. But it seems like every 60 years or so, there's a bunch of particles from this comet that's in a shorter orbit. So in 1803, and again, two years after the comet appeared in 1863, there was some uh, outburst of the Lyrids. Uh didn't last long, but was uh, right around 100 an hour. So, uh, you know, much, much better than the normal. So... Another another sixty years passed. Almost nineteen twenty two was another ban year for the year uh, for the Lyrids. So you would think after those uh, three appearances, everybody would be ready in the, in the early nineteen eighties. Well, guess what? <laughs> Nobody was. And in nineteen eighty three, boom, another appearance of the Lyrids happened. And what's funny about that one is I was driving out. To my dark sky site, and I noticed a bunch of meteors shooting in front of me. Oh my. I do a- I do remember that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I went to a dark sc- site too, and I remember it was pretty impressive.
1: By golly, um I pulled up, you know, was pretty excited, jumped in the chair, and nothing. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> it was over by the time I arrived. Oh. But I I have a good friend in Florida who saw the whole thing and He Went running down the neighborhood to some frenzy news and woke them up in the middle of the night, (laughs) and they got to see the end of it. So, uh, that was that was pretty exciting. So, uh, we now expect another outburst from the lyrics around 2040, which will be pretty darn old by
0: then. Yeah, 2040. (laughs) mm, Okay,
1: that'll that'll really be pushing it, (laughs) especially with this darn virus around. (laughs) Uh, don't get me started on that. Yeah, okay, well, anyway. What can we expect this year? Uh, not much, you know, before and after the actual maximum. But if you happen to be out and your skies are clear on the night of April 21st into the morning of the 22nd, you might give the shower a uh, chance. The radiant actually lies in the eastern Hercules. So the easiest way to, to find the, the radiant is to sort of find this bright star, Vega, which rises about 9 o'clock, and just look a little bit to the uh, southwest of that star. Yeah. And uh, if any meteors happen to line up with that area and they're medium speed, you probably got yourself a lyrid. Now, at 9 o'clock, the radiant lie on the horizon, so that's probably the worst time to look for them. So it'd be better to wait till at least midnight when it's about 30 degrees up. And from midnight to dawn, it keeps on going. And right before it gets gets light, the darn thing's nearly overhead. So uh, those oh, conditions could couldn't be better. The uh, IMO is predicting a uh, maximum to occur around seven hours the Universal Time, which is midnight our our time. So, but you know what? Like the quadranids of last January, it could happen any time uh, three or four hours before or after. So. Anytime after midnight, I would would go out. And uh, the prime time is probably between 4 and 5 when the uh, radiant lies highest in in the dark sky. Okay. So um, on the Wednesday morning, the 22nd? Right. uh, Now, uh, don't expect a whole lot of meteors like the Perseids or Geminids. Uh, Normally, if you hit the maximum you'll see maybe 15 or 20 in addition to the five that you normal, normally see. Now, I've, I've driven to the desert, been out, and I've seen like five an hour. <laughs> okay. So, you know, wow, all, all, all this way for not a whole heck of a lot. So don't be surprised if you only see five, but if you, see, you know, it, it can be entertaining, especially with what we've seen for the last three months. So keep your fingers crossed, and if your skies are clear, give it a try. What are the characteristics of this meteor shower? These meteors are medium speed, uh, probably around 40 kilometers a second. Uh, the Leonids are in the 70s, Perseids 60. So a little slower than that, but they're faster than the Geminids and the, the Taurids. Okay. And if you were going to go out and uh, had anywhere to look, uh, I would just look probably toward, you know, in the general Northeast quadrant, uh, you don't have to look right at the radiant because any meteors near there will appear short, really short, and may be difficult to see. So looking due north will be good. Looking due east will be good. And one thing you don't want to do is look straight up because looking straight up, you're looking right at the thinnest slice of atmosphere. You know, it's great for, for telescopic work, but for meteors, worst place to look. So aim your sights a little bit lower. I would like to do it so my lower part of my field of view is right on the horizon. And you'll catch a lot more activity down there. Okay. Are these bright meters? You know what? They are brighter than normal. And I have seen some weird fireballs. Oh. So there's always a good chance for that to occur.
0: Great. And obviously to observe, find a dark site. my favorite part, pull out your lounge. Uh, lounge
1: beach chair and a blanket Uh, and hot chocolate. (laughs) You know, if, if you can't see the Milky way, don't expect to see a whole lot of of media activity. So So
0: this this one opportunity, if you can get out of Dodge, get out of Dodge and go someplace dark.
1: That's exactly. In fact, I do, uh, even though we're supposed to be quarantined, I know a site between Barstow and Vegas that no one goes to. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, if I can, you know, get out of town for a couple of nights, I will just camp out there and Very good. Uh, see what I can see. Very good.
0: Very good. Yeah, that's, I, you know, they, the thing is uh, social distancing. Well, if you're camping in the middle of the desert, that's pretty good social distancing. I yeah. Think. The, the you're not going to give it to anybody.
1: No, I don't think so. Uh, I've, I've been there for three days straight and not seeing anybody. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that that's on a weekend. So uh, being in the middle of the week now, yeah, I don't think I'll be spreading any germs. <laughs> no. Or catching any. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a more important thing. Now, if folks happen to miss the maximum due to clouds or you forget about it, there's another shower called the eight Aquariids that are active at the same time. Now, they only appear right before dawn because Aquarius is only about 30 degrees west of the sun. But they're pretty spectacular meteors because they shoot up from the eastern horizon. And they're, they're long and they're long-lasting. Pretty, you, they're def, definitely different than the Lyrids. Okay. So if you happen to miss that, you'll you only see a couple an hour uh, at the time of the Lyrid Maximum. But as you approach their May 5 maximum, the rates will ramp up. Now, this happens to be the strongest shower that can be seen from the uh, Southern Hemisphere. And the reason for that is... They have longer nights in May than we do, so the radiant gets to rise higher in their sky uh, than it does for us. Ah. Uh, the morning, you know, morning twilight starts pretty early in, in May, whereas down south uh, it rises later. So they this is this is their chance to see uh, some good activity, but unfortunately, there's going to be a full moon on the maximum. Oh no. So it's always something, you know, <laughs> it, it's always something, but still, uh, right up to the, the maximum, you know, the moon will set an hour before, uh, before it gets light. So as long as the moon is low or, or below the horizon, you can, you can try to see. It. So in that period from may one to may three, you may get up to maybe 10 to eight Aquarians an hour. And, uh, that's, that's pretty impressive. Fantastic. Fantastic. And for observations, you want people to send them to you? I'd love to. Uh, I'm not too picky. Uh, what I really do need is your location and the exact time you were out. I don't care if it's universal time or your local daylight savings time. Just uh, you know, send it to me. Uh, I do like them in hour increments. Uh, if you only plan to go out for 15 minutes, that's really not worth it because These meteor showers are notorious for appearing in clumps. Uh, You'll be out for 15 minutes, won't see a thing, and in another 15 minutes, you'll see 30. (laughs) That's true. So a good way to see a a good uh, sample of the meteors is to be out for an hour. You'll see both times when there's a lot of activity and times when there's no activity. So if you could at least go out for an hour, and like I said, between four and five is best, And uh, send them to me on uh, my uh, email address, lunro.imo.usa, And we will have an article on the lyrids with a chart indicating the radiant uh, up very shortly on the ALPO website.
0: Great. And I'll grab that and also your email address and I'll put it in the show notes for anybody that wants to send their reports to you.
1: That would be outstanding. Fantastic. Now, uh, after the eight Aquarius, there's there's another lull of all of May, all of June, and the first half of July is pretty pretty uh, sparse for meteor activity. Okay. But, uh, come come July, uh, the summertime rates start kicking in, and uh, the uh, the eight Aquarius will have a little bit of moonlight, and the Perseids will have a half moon. So. Okay. None of, none of them are perfect, but uh, it'll certainly be better than what we're looking at right now.
0: Yeah, I was looking at some information earlier to see what other meteor showers we had coming up, and it does look like the Perseids might be nice.
1: This well, year, well, the moon moon rises about the same time the reading is high. So, uh, but you know what? If you look north with the moon kind of behind you, you you can get around it, and yeah. especially if you're up high where the air is more transparent. If if you're down by the coast where 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 it's uh, humid and right, hazy, right, right, right. Nah, you're out of luck, and that that's a big problem in the summertime for a lot of the East uh, and Midwest USA. Haze, haze and moon is a bad combination. That's true. That's true. Because well, of, that moon moonlight scatters that 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 haze, something terrible, and your your limiting magnitude is really reduced.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe we'll we'll get together in uh, J- June or July and chat about that one you betcha we'll see how it is what's the best meteor shower
1: you've ever seen the best meteor shower i ever seen well i would say the 2001 Leonids i saw from uh, mount lemon outside tucson hmm. and the reason for that is i was actually in spain for the ni- uh, 1999 leonards was oh, actually wow. That was actually a stronger shower, but the meteors were faint, and that shower ramped up really fast, put a lot of activity out, and then died. Now, the one in 2001 ramped up slowly, didn't quite produce as much activity, but the meteors were bright, and that shower lasted right until done it wasn't as strong after the maximum which occurred about three o'clock in the morning but those last three hours you were constantly seeing five to ten meteors an hour i mean a minute i'm sorry wow i mean that's I i i was recording on on a cassette recorder and Mm -hmm. after about three hours of that i was just Zonk i I just couldn't do it anymore, Wow, <laughs> for that last hour. I just laid back and enjoyed the show. you know what year was it? That was two thousand and one. Huh. Now, there was another uh outburst of the Lias in two thousand and two, but that had a full moon, hmm. and I just happened to be up on a NASA aircraft for that one. <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was actually two peaks, one over Europe and one over uh, USA, and we flew to uh, to Spain and took off in a driving rainstorm. And we flew up over Greenland, caught the first maximum, and uh, and there was aurora going on at the same time. Now that was very oh. cool. <laughs> oh. We were we were looking through intensified glasses through these optical windows. And uh, we could see the aurora and the meteors flying all around. That was what, that was pretty, what, what aircraft was this, Sophia? This was no darn it. It was especially specially made 737, I believe. Oh yeah. And uh, there was there was two of them. Yeah. And this was all, all paid by NASA, and we had an astronaut actually flying the plane. It was really cool. Oh but, my goodness! What a fun yeah. time. So we caught what, what,
0: that. What? Wow. Go,
1: go ahead. No, go ahead. go ahead. No, I was going to say we caught that first maximum over Europe and in Greenland, and we flew back down toward the middle of USA and caught the second one. So, <laughs> my goodness. That was that was pretty awesome. The, so, and th-
0: uh, this passion for meteors, where did it come from?
1: Gosh, I I don't know. Uh, I I think uh, you know everybody likes fireworks, so you know this is <laughs> this is kind of like nature's fireworks. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, you just don't
0: like waiting around to the 4th of July. You want to see it all throughout the year.
1: Well, that's true. That's true. But you know, I had, I had my, my biggest chance to see a meteor shower back in 1966. I just happened, I was a young punk back then. Mm-hmm. And just happened to catch the news where they said, Hey, there might be a big meteor shower tonight. So I was like, yeah, okay. I'll get up. So I, I woke, I set my alarm for one. I got up and, uh, the leanids were, were coming down, oh, maybe five or ten per minute. Wow. And, uh, you know, uh, it was cold, and I had school the next day. So I watched for about a half hour, even dragged my dad out. and He had to go to work, so he didn't watch very long. So I sat out there until I got chilled, and then I, uh, I went to bed. And about, oh, about three months later, I was at the library, and I happened to pick up a uh, yeah, addition of Sky and Telescope, and find out that uh, the rate we reached 40,000 an hour uh, at five o'clock that morning. <laughs>
0: uh, oh, my God. Uh, and at that so, point, you told yourself you'll never miss it again.
1: Yeah, basically. That's wild. I, I keep legitimating that situation by saying well, <laughs> if, if I saw that one, I would never care about another one. No, you wouldn't. No,
0: <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> it would have been passion would have been stronger well that's yeah. awesome i've often wondered what got you into meteor observing
1: well i've i've always been fascinated with all facets but somehow meteors just just caught my eye and you know what uh, people seeing a bright fireball that a lot of times that will get them yeah. into astronomy that's true so that's true. uh
0: there's a lot going up all you got to do is look up yeah it's pretty cool stuff and right now we all have the time to look up
1: amen <laughs> All
0: right. All right man. Well, this is a pleasure once again to chat
1: with you. And we shall do it again soon.
0: All right, Bob. Well, you take care and stay safe out there.
1: Same to you. Nice talking to you. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.
0: Well, that'll do it for this episode of of the Observers Notebook podcast. Again, want to thank—I think he's been on eleven times—Bob Lunsford coming on and giving us the very entertaining discussion about the upcoming Lyrids meteor shower. Please, let's get out and observe and send your observations in to Bob. We upload new episodes of The Observer's Notebook every few weeks. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. If you do, please rate and review us. I really appreciate it. You can also listen on iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, and Amazon Echo. You can help support the podcast by donating to it via Patreon. You can give up to $35 a month where you receive one year's membership to the ALPO and producer credits on the podcast. And with that, I want to thank the producer of this podcast, Steve Sedentop, for his generous support of The Observer's Notebook. The link for Patreon, as well as the link for the ALPO, is in the show notes. You can contact me via email at commentman at cometman.net or on Twitter at at Observer's NB Pod. Until next time. My hope is you always have clear and steady skies. Thanks for listening.